is the Grain Farmers of Ontario Market Trends Commentary for September and October of 2020. It has been a changing time over the last month across the greater American Corn Belt. On August 12th, the USDA weighed in with their latest WASDE report documenting huge crops in the United States. However, circumstances took over in August, first with the derecho winds on August 10th, followed by devastating drought that caused much of Iowa and Nebraska. In fact, in parts of the American Corn Belt, it was drier than it was in the drought year of 2012. As September grew older, some rain did fall, but uneven events in the field helped cause a surge in grain futures prices. As we neared the next USDA report, September 11th, many market observers were wondering if the USDA would be changing the huge grain market narrative. We got our answer on September 11th when the USDA lowered corn production by 378 million bushels down to 14.9 billion bushels. U.S. national corn yield dropped 3.3 bushels per acre down to 178.5 bushels per acre, and the harvested corn acres were also reduced by 500,000 acres to 83.5 million from the August report. Now, the U.S. corn exports were increased, but at the same time, U.S. ethanol and feed and residual use decreased, pegging total corn usage for 2020-21 at 14.675 billion bushels. Corn ending stocks for 2020-21 were lowered by 253 million bushels down to 2.503 billion bushels. USDA pegged soybean production at 4.313 billion bushels, which was lower by 112 million bushels and 1.4 bushels per acre, less than reported in the August 12th report. U.S. soybean yield was reduced to 51.9 bushels per acre. Unlike corn, the USDA didn't change harvested acreage in lieu of the August 10th derecho. This lower production figure reduced new crop ending stocks to 460 million bushels, down from the 610 million in the August estimate. The USDA made very few changes to the demand picture, but did update Brazil's future crop by 2 million metric tons to 133 million metric tons, another record production. The USDA kept the status quo from the August report on U.S. wheat production, pegging it at 1.838 billion bushels. And at the end of the day, September 11th, USDA had substantiated the small U.S. crop, reflected in market action over the last month. Now on September 11th, wheat, soybean, and corn futures were higher than the last market trends report. November 2020 corn futures were at 368 a bushel. The November 2020 soybean futures were at 996 a bushel. And the September 2020 Chicago wheat futures closed at 542 a bushel. Minneapolis September 2020 wheat futures closed at 538 a bushel, with a September 2021 contract closing at $5.71 a bushel. The nearby oil futures as of September 11th closed at $37.33 a barrel, down from the nearby futures recorded in the last Market Trends report of $42.01 a barrel. And the average price for U.S. ethanol on September 11th in the U.S. was $1.59 a U.S. gallon, up from the $1.51 recorded in the last Market Trends report. And the Canadian dollar noon rate on September 11th was 0.7584 U.S., higher than the 0.7547 U.S. reported here in the last Market Trends report. And the Bank of Canada's lending rate remained at 0.25%. In Ontario, crops are advancing quickly with early soybeans almost ready to harvest in several locations across the province. We had our share of weather across the province this year. Snow on the corn and soybeans on Mother's Day weekends was followed by drought in some areas and too much rain in others. However, good crops are expected to soon come off Ontario harvest fields. 
Recently, the Great Lakes Grain Group pegged Ontario corn yield 186.9 bushels per acre and Ontario soybeans at 58.3 bushels per acre. Of course, the truth will be told at harvest time, but it looks like very good crops this fall. Ontario corn basis will respond accordingly based on crop size and where the demand may be. In fact, there is quite a sizable premium for early harvested corn in the next few weeks across some parts of Ontario. However, it's not everywhere. The Quebec market has been good for Ontario producers, but this year U.S. corn booked earlier was met with lower Quebec livestock demand because of COVID-19. In fact, some Quebec corn was being shipped into the far east of Ontario, a reversal of historical market direction. At the same time, Quebec is set for big crops in both corn and soybeans with few issues such as they had last year. Ultimately, this means historic Ontario and Quebec corn demand should be more predictable. There is domestic demand, but ultimately quite a bit of corn will have to be exported with Europe the market of choice. Needless to say, basis will likely reflect this as we move forward. The soybean basis, as usual, this time of year is the same for old new crop. It has not kept pace with the rise of soybean futures as the Canadian dollar has been somewhat more resilient and a big crop is in the offing. And you can check out all our Ontario grain prices by going to the marketing section of our website. Now the bottom line is, are things good or just much better than they were in June or July? Clearly grain prices improved and this gain has come at a time of year which is counter to seasonal patterns. It should serve as a lesson to us all. Nobody knows what grain prices will do. We simply have to immerse ourselves in the market factors and keep a daily market intelligence regimen. China has been an important component of the recent rise in soybean prices, along with droughty weather in Iowa. However, we are not back to the levels of U.S. exports to China we saw pre-2016. In the 2016-17 marketing year, the U.S. exported a record 58.96 million metric tons of soybeans to China. In 2017 and 18, that dropped to 58.07 million metric tons. 2018-19, it dropped to 47.68 million metric tons. Now, China's soybean import requirement is approximately 98 million metric tons. In 2020-21, Brazil will have more than double the soybean exports to China versus the U.S. The U.S. is solidly a secondary supplier for Chinese soybeans. That's not to put a damper on things. Selling more soybeans globally is always a good thing, and at the end to the U.S.-China trade war in soybeans helps. November soybeans are crowding $10, and our Brazilian friends will begin planting in October. Clearly, Chinese soybean demand is robust and an integral part of the current price. As we look ahead, any calamity in Brazilian soybean production starting in October 2020 will impact futures prices substantially. Now, that might come in the form of a La Nina, which often can cause South American dryness cutting soybean yields. Of course, we are a ways until that may or may not manifest itself moving forward. However, La Nina and El Nino weather trends are real and must be considered. La Nina climate pattern is a natural cycle which leads to cooler than average water in the central Pacific. Now, in the past, it has disrupted South American grain production, and as a new crop year dawns, we are on the clock for that. Now, for corn, fundamentally, the USDA report reduced the crop, but it's still one of the biggest despite a reduction of acreage and yield. One has to muse about if the September Wozniak report was the last reduction, or will the USDA find more once combines roll or inch through the derecho areas? Typically, though, harvest pressure always causes basis lows, and this year should be no different. Brazil and Ukraine will remain competitors in corn, especially in some markets. In the September Washington report, new crop Brazil stocks were increased by 3 million metric tons, and its old crop increased by 1 million metric tons. 
Ukraine's new crop corn estimate was reduced by 1 million metric ton. Now, once corn gets on the high seas, it's a race toward cheap. And China has been a surprising buyer of big corn exports out of the United States. The December 2020-March 2021 corn future spread is currently minus 9 and 3 quarters cents, which is considered bullish. Seasonally, corn prices tend to peak in June and bottom out in October, which has been contrary to what we have seen in 2020. The nearby spot corn contract is currently in the 38th percentile of the past five-year price distribution range. Now, for soybeans, it's been a big run in soybean futures. On August 10th, soybean futures were 8.73, only to close on September 11th at 9.96. This time of year, that's a pretty unprecedented. Of course, we're all wondering if these prices took the escalator up and may take the elevator shaft down. Now, nobody knows, but clearly demand has been strong, especially from China. It has been a long way back for this China buying. However, keep in mind, this is coming after the Brazil supply has been drawn down and U.S. soybeans are far cheaper than beans at Brazil ports. Daily sales of soybeans to China have had the effect of slowly dripping adrenaline into soybean futures. However, most of this is new crop sales, which have to be substantiated in shipments later. The November 2020-January 2020 soybeans spread as of September 11th is currently minus three and a quarter cents per bushel, which is considered bullish. Seasonally, soybeans tend to peak in early July and bottom in October, contrary to what has happened in 2020. The nearby spot soybean contract is currently in the 49th percentile, a substantial increase versus the last several months. Now for wheat, the Washington report didn't really say anything particularly newsy about wheat, other than there is still lots of it around the world. With the run-up in corn prices, there is always the specter of more wheat feeding. On September 11th to December, soft red winter wheat contract was down six cents and closed at 5.42, which is still above the 100-day moving average of 5.26. This translates into close to $7 cash prices for old crop uh, soft red wheat in Ontario, $7 plus for 2021. Those are good flat prices, mainly constructed by a Canadian dollar fluttering in the 75 cent level. Farmers will be hoping that seed drills will be able to plant wheat in good conditions come this fall. Ontario acreage, acreage will surely be in flux depending on weather conditions. The Canadian dollar continues to add stimulus to Ontario grain prices. The direction is usually always in inverse fashion to the American dollar, which has been weak lately and responsible for the loonie's strength since late March. The loonie has gained five cents since April against the U.S. dollar, and this has put somewhat of a cap on cash price rallies over this time. The road ahead in this COVID-19 environment remains volatile, as the United States remains the most infected country on Earth, countering economic growth. The big stimulus packages of almost every Western government have helped, but mainly affected the stock markets here. Recovery will come with a vaccine, with 2021 likely the start of that. On September 30th, we'll get the quarterly stocks report from USDA. And at the present time, USDA cut soybean ending stocks to 460 million bushels, with calculated stocks use at 10.4%. Now, on September 30th, this might be adjusted again, but the calculations, whatever it is, will still likely be the third largest ending stocks on record. It is what it is, a bearish reality within a fairly bullish soybean market environment. We cannot ignore soybean futures have gained over $1.20 since August 12th, and as we move ahead, it's only prudent to have those grain pricing marketing orders ready. A $13 soybean pricing order needs to be part of the conversation. The elephant in the room as we head toward fall is November 3rd. 
The current American administration is looking to get reelected, and we cannot ignore any surprise announcement that may affect grain markets. On September 11th, President Trump announced on Twitter that he had signed an order allowing the U.S. ethanol industry to use 15% ethanol in 10% blended pumps. This was seen as a win to the ethanol industry, but the new but the same administration granted small refinery exemptions, SREs, a negative to ethanol demand. There are currently 67 pending SREs awaiting approval. Needless to say, there are a myriad of other issues which might jump off in the electoral heat as we head toward November 3rd. Now, as crops turn in the late September sun, combines will begin to roll again and we'll truly see the true breadth of the Ontario crop. The present time, there are no clouds hovering over that as our growing season was efficient to set up good conditions. Black layer in corn is not an issue. Frost is not in the 15-day forecast. Historical basis patterns will likely hold as long as quality issues are sustained. And the challenge for Ontario farmers is to engage in daily market intelligence and have those standing marketing orders ready. Market prices have rallied. Another test for Ontario farmers will be to capture these price rallies amid a changing grain pricing environment. This has been the Grain Farmers of Ontario Market Trends Commentary for September and October of 2020. I'm Philip Shaw.